Let's open our Bibles to Nehemiah in chapter 1. We'll start there, Nehemiah chapter 1. Last week we, we finished the book of Colossians. We're going to have a couple weeks in Nehemiah. We're going to get to Joel, the book of Joel soon. Uh, but last week we talked about this idea of completing the work. In other words, to carry on until we get to the finish line, to the end. Carry on to the end. And not, don't stop, don't quit, don't give up. Because His grace is with us and it is always sufficient. And I, I like what the, the writer to Hebrews says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. We need to keep each other going. We need to help each other out and, and keep going until we get to the end. Today, and I mentioned this briefly last week, today along the way though, when we're doing that, staying in the race and in the battle and the fight, we do face opposition. We do face discouragement. And this is a personal lesson uh, from my own life as well. But Nehemiah faced the same sort of thing. And, and the book of Nehemiah is an incredible book. We're not going to read the whole book. We're not going to look at every verse. But Nehemiah, in this story, in this account of what happened back then, Nehemiah, it's a story about rebuilding. It's a story about rebuilding. And rebuilding is a good thing, would you not say? in our lives, and they're specifically talking about rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. Rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. But, but this rebuilding process was not without opposition, without, not without battles, not without fights. It's just, it's just reality. And sometimes, I know in my own life, but sometimes I realize, I don't realize until it's already happened that there's been a battle taking place and I didn't, it snuck up on me. I didn't even realize that I was in the middle of this battle. Because they don't always come in and say, here I am. I'm fighting you. I'm, you know, going to resist you. I'm going to do everything I can to stop you dead in your tracks. Rarely do they do that kind of, of uh, announcing. So let me just ask the question before we get into this is what, what are our walls like? Corporately and individually. What are, our, what are our walls like? What kind of shape are they in? As we're going to see in this account, the wall of Jerusalem was in really, really bad shape. And some of our lives are like that too. I read a passage in Proverbs 25. It said, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. So let's look at, at, the, at, at Nehemiah and what he did. Let's start in verse 1, chapter 1. It says in the, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakali, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers came from Judah and with some other men. They came back from Judah, Jerusalem, Came back with some other men's and I, men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah is, is with the king. He's back in, in, in exile with the rest of the people who are in exile. They've been taken out of Jerusalem, out of Judah, out of the southern kingdom, into captivity. Nehemiah is still there. But there have been some that have been going back. They started going back. In the book of Ezra, it talks about the rebuilding of the temple, right? Which began to take place. Zerubbabel went back and others went back. 
So these came back, Hananiah's brother came back, and he, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. This is the situation. This is what's going on here. The situation that Nehemiah faced. And, and it, it, it strikes me sometimes, you know, what we're looking at the example of Nehemiah and what he starts off with. He, he says he sat down and he just wept. He wept. How, how often do we get to that place where our lives are just so messed up, where we just stop and we just weep? before the God of heaven. Or maybe sometimes things are so bad and we don't even care. We don't weep, we don't pray, we don't fast. But this is what Nehemiah did. He, he fasted, he mourned, he prayed before the God of heaven. And then he, and then he has this prayer, and we're not going to look at this whole prayer, but it's a very incredible prayer. It has, it has confession. He says, we confess our sin before you. It has the promises of God. Verse 8, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses. And he has, he has God's promises in there. And he, and, and he starts with prayer. And we find that throughout the book of Nehemiah, it, prayer is like huge. Jump into chapter 2. Nehemiah, he was the cupbearer before the king, King Artaxerxes, it says in verse 1. And he... Really, he was, uh, you know, not really allowed. It really wasn't right for him to show that he was in a bad way. But after he'd had this experience, he couldn't even hide it anymore. And the king asked him, like, what is your problem? And the king says to me in verse 4, what is it you want? He tells the, he tells the king that Jerusalem is in a bad way. The gates have been destroyed. The place is in ruins. And it says then, then in verse 4, the second half, it said, Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Prayer again. He's before the king. And now I like this in the sense that he didn't have time to call a prayer meeting, right? He was like there before the king. And the king says, What is it? What can I give you? What do you want? He says, Well, I got to pray and I got to pray fast. He says, I prayed to the God of heaven. And he went on. Right then and right there. How many times we have just a, we have a few seconds to pray. You're in a situation. You need to pray fast. That's what he did there. And he answers the king. And he asks the king for things to go back, that he could go back, and then also for help to go back and provisions to go back and build it. I'm just kind of I'm, I'm laying the groundwork for the situation or what's happening. We're going to focus really on chapter 4. But he prays, he asks God for help, and he ta he's talking with the king. Jump down to verse 8. It says in the second half, and because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. It wasn't because he was, you know, so influential, because he was so diplomatic or anything like that. He prayed and God, God's hand was upon him. You know, that's what we need more than anything. We need God's, the gracious hand of God upon us to get anything done. And that's the way it starts off. He, he starts off, he humble himself, humbles himself and prays and he calls to the God of heaven. God answers his prayer. He begins this whole process. He goes to Jerusalem. 
says in verse 11, I went to Jerusalem and he was there. He went out by night and he, he looked at the situation. He saw that it indeed was really, really bad. Jump down to verse 17. He says, then I said to them, to the officials, rulers, and anybody else that was there listening, he said, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. Said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. God was blessing. God was working. God was doing something special. And when we pray, I, I just am convinced. I just believe it. I've seen it too often. It doesn't mean I don't get discouraged and, and beat down. Like I said, this is personal in the sense that I face these kinds of things. But when we pray, God hears and God begins to work and he begins to do things. We've been praying on Wednesday nights for different things that, 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 that we need God's help in and, and work in this church and in our lives and people's fellowship. And you know what? He answers. It's, an, it's amazing. It's incredible. Maybe you have a prayer request you want us to pray for you. Write it down, put it in the box, and we will bring it on Wednesday night and pray for you. Or you could come yourself. But they replied, let us start rebuilding. There was a guy, his name was Nehemiah. There was a guy named Nehemiah. He got this burden. He got this thing in his heart like, man, this is a mess. This is a mess. But we need to do something. And we, we pray and God begins to do something. There's always, there, there's always a point where somebody needs to say, listen, we need to do something. Let's call on God and ask him. But then he, then he, he doesn't start there. He says, let us rebuild let us do something let us start this process and they replied yeah let us start rebuilding we're, we're in this with you and so it says they began this good work well we could just say well that's the end of the story they began the good work everything was wonderful it all came together it all fell into place they were you know they, the joy of the Lord was their strength forever nothing ever happened bad nothing ever went wrong nothing ever fell apart. But is that realistic? It, could you relate to that if that's what happened? I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Paul, Paul the apostle said, you know, that a, a huge door, a great and effective door had opened for him and with many adversaries. This great effective door, this opportunity that, that, that opened up, but there was adversaries. Look at verse 19. It starts right then. Verse 19. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? Right at the very beginning. It starts in right away. Let us rebuild. Let us start rebuilding and then Right then the start, it starts. The attacks start being hammered on. Any of you know what that's like? You make a decision, you know, we're going to go forward with God. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. You make a decision, I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to, you know, get involved in church. I'm going to do something. I'm going to let my neighbor know about it. I'm going to let my coworker know about Jesus and the love he has for them. You make this decision, you're inspired. You know that this way, and all of a sudden you start getting hammered. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. 
Don't be surprised. Peter says something like that. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial that you're going through. Don't be surprised when these things start to happen. We see it here from the very beginning. He said, what is this you're doing? And that's really not a bad question. Sometimes, you know, these, these attacks can make us really think about, well, what is it you're doing? Do we know what we are doing? Have we really thought about our lives and where they're going? Do we really know what direction that our lives are taking? Have we, have we stopped and said, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Hey, you know what? My life doesn't matter to me that I may finish the race and, and do what God wants me to do. That's what I'm doing. And you can answer when the attack comes, what is this you're doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm serving Jesus Christ. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. That's what I'm doing. But can you say that with conviction? Like, well, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Well, what am I doing? It starts with prayer, like it starts with Nehemiah. We are building the walls. We are involved in building the kingdom of God. Look what Nehemiah's answer was back in verse 20. He said, I answered them by saying, I'm really cool. I am Nehemiah. I am really smart. Does he say that? No, he doesn't say any of that. I am Nehemiah. He doesn't say that at all. He says, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, we're only serving God. We will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. The God of heaven will give us success. He prays. God, God is, has his gracious hand upon him. And this is his answer to the first attack. The God of heaven will give us success. This is where we're going to keep our eyes focused on the God of heaven, not on you. As for you, you have no share. You, you don't have any part of this. Like, why, why are you even bothering? Because they can. That's why. Why do you have opposition? Because it's there. Because it's real. Because it's true. His response. And, and this isn't really, you know, positive confession. It's really just confidence in God that God is going to do something. God is at work. It's His work. It's His power. Nehemiah chapter 3 now, we're not going to look at that at all, but Nehemiah chapter 3, they went to work on the wall. And if you read the chapter, it's, it's a, just a real uh, big picture of the fact that they're, they're stationed themselves around the wall. And each of them has a little section. It's, a, it's an incredible picture. They're, they're kind of like shoulder to shoulder, side by side, and they're stationed all around the wall doing their part, doing their whatever section it is that they have to do. And that really is such a huge picture for, for the church, really. We all need to be doing our part in our section. Each walk, each walk of life, all walks of life are represented there, from you know the, the nobles and, and, and to people who make perfume and and all different, the bakers and, and all different walks of life are represented there. They're all doing their part. None of us can say, you know, I don't really have a part because that's not true. You may not want to have a part, but the truth is you have a part and God has given you a section. God has given you a part, but they worked side by side. They spread the load. You know that saying, many hands make something, 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 something. 
make light work. Many hands make light work. Chapter 4, though, this is where we're going to focus in. and uh, Let's turn to chapter 4. More opposition. It never starts. When, it never stops. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. That's not incense. That's incensed. And he ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of the associates, his associates in the, in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, if even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Ridicule, attack. Can you hear some of these statements coming? Can you hear some of them in your own life as well? You are so feeble. What is it that you could do? You, what do you think, who do you think you are to, to try to do anything at all? To try to see God do anything through you and in you? You know, interestingly enough, though, there is some truth in that, but the God of heaven will give us success, he said. Not, I'm going to do it, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Will they restore their wall? Are you, you think you're, you think, do you really think you're going to get anything done in your life? Do you really think you can have an impact at all in any way, shape, or form? Have you, any of you ever heard these kind of voices coming? I'm not saying hearing voices. I'm saying hearing these kinds of attacks like, just give it up now. Why waste your time? Are you going to offer sacrifices? Why waste your time? Well, yes, we will offer sacrifices because God is worthy. And yes, we will restore the wall with God's help. I like this one. Will they finish in a day? Don't even bother. It's going to take too long. Don't bother. You know, you don't have time for that, right? You don't have time to try to do anything cool. When I say cool, I mean like cool. Cool for God. You don't have time. Are you going to finish it today? Well, the truth of it is that we are in it for the long haul. We're going to go to the end. we got all kinds of time. Until God takes us home, we got time. It doesn't... Will they finish in a day? That's kind of like a double-edged thing. We, we're going to go for it however long it takes, whether it's a day or an hour, a week, a month, or a year, whatever it is. Keep your hand to the plow. What, is it, what does it say? When you put your hand to the plow, what? Don't look, back. Don't look back. Keep looking forward. That's what he's saying. Nehemiah's uh, whole attitude is here. Listen. Can they bring those stones back to life? Those heaps of rubble. Whenever I see that word, what does it make you think of? Rubble. What? Flintstones, Flintstones exactly, that's right. <laughs> Barney rubble. <laughs> Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? You can't do it. You can't. You're burned out. You're just rubble. You're Barney rubble. Like, what can Barney rubble do? Like, he... <laughs> You know, got his feet on the ground trying to make the car go kind of thing. Can anything come out? Can anything good come out of 
wherever it is that you're from. I'm from a place called Claremont in San Diego. Can anything good come out of Claremont? But the truth of the matter is that God brings life and he raises the dead and he's the God of hope and he can take, he can take and make something out of nothing. That's what he did. The, the, the whole idea, the truth of creation, and I'm not talking about devolution. Creation, the truth of creation is that God creates in the word that's used there means creates out of nothing. That God creates out of nothing. Can God make something out of those heaps of rubble? You bet he can. Can God make something out of you? You bet he can and he will and he, and he can and he will. Chapter 4, verse 3, there's another guy there, Tobiah. That was Sanballat saying all those things. Tobiah, Tobiah he says in verse 4, what they are building, if even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever it is that you're going to build, it, it's, it won't last. It's, it's weak. It's like a fox crawls up on it, you know, and, and, and stands on those stones. It's just like it's so weak, it's just going to crumble down. You know, it's, it's getting ridiculous now. Some of these attacks are ridiculous when you stand back and look at them, but that's what they say, and that's what we hear, and that's what we think. It won't stand. It won't last. It, it, it's no good. But when the Lord builds the house, what does it say? When the Lord builds the house, when we try to build it, yeah, we build in, in vain, but when the Lord builds the house and when we build upon the rock, it will stand. There's no question about it. Think back again, just stop for a moment about your own life, the walls of your own life. Like, what kind of shape are they in? Are they just piles of rubble? Is it, are the gates burned down? Are there gaps in the wall? We're going to see in the, in the last part of this chapter. It talks about the gaps being filled. Verse 4 and 5, he gets back, he, he, he gets all these attacks. What does he do? He prays again, prays. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. He goes back to God. You know, we're going to face attacks. We're going to, the accuser of the brethren is going to throw stuff at us. What do we do? We need to pray. But we don't just stop there. We pray and we go back. Look at verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall. They prayed and they kept working until all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart. That is an incredible verse. I love that. The people worked with all their heart. They, they put their heart into it. They put their, their very heart into the work. And they just rebuilt and it got halfway up. Say, oh, great, everything is going great. Look at this, the progress. You can see the progress now. Before, you couldn't really see much, but now it's like halfway there. You can, like, see it. It's re you're really, you know, things are really happening in your life. Again, it's all smooth sailing from here on out, right? Wrong, right? Look at verse 7. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's, Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were, were being closed, they were very angry. First they were angry, now 
They're very angry. The walls have gotten halfway up. It's starting to show some progress. They got really, really angry about it. Our, our enemies and our, our arch enemy, Satan, he gets angry when stuff's going on in our lives. We need to understand that. This is a spiritual battle that we face. And he's not happy when the walls are being built up. He's not happy when the gaps are being closed. In verse 8, so they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. What did they do? Verse 9, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. There's a two-pronged response there. Number one, they prayed. And number two, they posted a guard. There's, there's some wisdom in that. First of all, we need to pray first. Number one, we always got to pray. But second, they also posted a guard. And what does that mean? They posted a guard to like look out and watch out. We, sometimes it does hit us by surprise. But when we're vigilant, when we're watching out, like I got to keep an eye out because, you know, I, I got to keep scanning the air. I got to watch out. I got to see. I got I to know. I got I to be alert, the Bible says. Be alert and be vigilant. They posted a guard after they prayed, day and night, day and night. Wouldn't it be nice if the attacks only came during the day and nighttime was wonderful? Or maybe the opposite, maybe the attacks only came at night. How many of you feel that sometimes the attacks are worse at night? He says, they posted a guard day and night. Be vigilant. Be alert. Say, okay, that should take care of it. I don't want to discourage you people with what's going on here. That should take care of it. But, but again, this is for us to, to get the wisdom of what, what they did in that situation and realize that we're in a similar kind of battle. It's just a different day, different circumstances, but we're in a battle. And, we, and God wants to do stuff in our lives, and we need to to do these same kinds of things. Pray, post a guard. Verse 10, meanwhile, all that stuff's all, all happening. Meanwhile, during all that, as if that wasn't enough, right? Those attacks coming from those guys outside. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, this is the people inside. This is the people part of the program, right? Part of the rebuilding. The people of Judah said, the strength of the labors is giving out, and there is so much rubble. Now all you're going to think of is Barney again. There is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Now this is, this is the people that were doing the work. They're saying now, hey, we, we're exhausted. This is, this is coming from within now. Sometimes the, the problem doesn't even lie with the attacks outside. It's, it's we ourselves. We say, I'm just too tired. I can't do it anymore. Any of you ever feel that way? I do. I just, I'm just exhausted. I can't do it anymore. I can't. I'm overwhelmed. He says, we can't do it. They said, we can't do it. So much rubble. But at the same time, think about it. Look at what had already been accomplished, Right? It was all completely in ruins, and now the wall's like halfway there already, which, you know, the wall was pretty big. So halfway there, it's already, 
halfway there. Look at what God has already done. It's too soon to give up. Look what already has been accomplished. The game is only halfway over. And as if that wasn't enough, verse 11, also, in addition to we ourselves, we're having trouble. Now our enemies say some more before they know it or see us. Verse 11, we will be right there among them. We'll kill them and put an end to the work. We'll kill them, put an end to the work. Before you know it, before you see us, we're going to kill you. We're going to stop you. You, you. you better just give up now because... You know, it reminds me of that verse Peter talks about, you know, be, be alert for your enemy, the devil. He, he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, he's roaring like he wants to let you, wants to put you in fear and put you uh, out of commission. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to devour you. I'm going to destroy you. But can he do that to the believer in Jesus Christ, the true saint of God? No, he cannot. He cannot. Does that mean he's not going to try? You know, you read in the, in the Gospels where, where he came and he attacked Jesus himself over and over and over again. And, then, and Jesus fought back with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, right? And then it says the devil left him, but it says to come back at another time, another opportune time you would come back. He didn't stop. He doesn't give up. The truth is he's already lost, but he, he, he doesn't stop his, his threats, his attacks. Maybe you're not going through a battle right now and none of this really makes any sense to you, but if you're truly trying to follow Jesus Christ, you will face battles. You will face opposition. How about verse 12? Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Again, from within, the Jews, they were, they were there. They were part of this team. Sometimes we have to be careful, don't we? We have to be careful because you know, ten times over, I mean, once wasn't enough. They had to come and tell us ten times that wherever you turn, they're going to attack us. Ten times over. We've got to be careful sometimes how we kind of relate to each other, that we're not discouraging one another. You can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. You can't do that ten times, over and over and over again. And this wasn't even the enemy. This is one of their own. More from within. Let's just give up. Let's just quit. Verse 13. Is that what Nehemiah did? No. He said, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight. For your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He gave them this word. I believe he got this from God, really. This was inspired, no question about it. He says, don't, don't be afraid of them. Don't give in to fear. Don't let fear control you. Fear is one of the, the enemy's 
you know, tools, as long, along with discouragement, fear. I'm, I'm afraid. I can't do anything. Don't be afraid, he says, number one. Number two, he says, remember the Lord who's great and awesome. Look to him. Remember the Lord. But number three, this is incredible, he says, fight. But not just for yourselves, for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. Fight for your family. Fight because the stakes are high. Don't give up, but fight for those you love, those around you, those that are watching you. One person's summary of this little section here, he says these three points. Number one, fix the leaks that could sink you. He, it's what's what he did here. He stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall where, where it was like, you know, vulnerable there. He says, fix the leaks that could sink you. And, and we all have these kinds of gaps and links and low spots. Find where they are and, and put some, some effort and, and some battle in there. Number two, focus on the Lord who brought you this far. Focus on the Lord. And then number three, fight for the lives that need for you to finish what you started. Fight for the lives that need for you to finish what you've started. I like that. Fix the leaks, focus on the Lord, and fight for the lives. Verse 15, coming to the end of our study here today. Verse 15, chapter 4. When, I, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. God frustrated the plot. And we returned to the wall, each to his own work. Verse 16, from that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armors, armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. And those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as, as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Again, they carried on, but they did the work, but they also had vigilance. They also watched. They had their weapons right there, their armor. But he had the man who sounded the trumpet with him. Verse 19, Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. In other words, he says, listen, we're all kind of spread out, but, but he had, that's why he had the guy with the trumpet with him, and he says, you know, when, when you hear that trumpet sound, then all kind of come to that place. And, and for me, that's a picture that, that we need each other. And, and when we sound the trumpet, listen, I'm having a hard time here. You know, we're called to like, have each other's backs. We're called to fight for each other help each other out, to be there for each other when we're going in, in the middle of that battle, in the middle of that opposition, when we're trying to rebuild, trying to do what God wants us to do. But we've got to listen for the call. We've got to listen for that trumpet, right? But not many of us are real excited about letting other people know that we're going through something. Is that true? There are some people 
that, you know, they got their trumpets and every possible thing that happens in their life, you know about it. That kind of, you know, there, there are a few people like that, but most of us do not even want to let those that are even close to us even know if we're married, a spouse, or others in our household or family. We don't even want to let them know. We just go, I'm going to get through this thing myself. I'm going to make it. I'm tough. And we lose. We lose out because there's power. This is what he said. Listen for the trumpet. When you hear the trumpet, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there and our God will fight for us. There's something about when we get together, there's something about when we, when, when we seek to help each other and we gather together that God will fight for us. So listen for the call. Maybe we need to live, be a little more sensitive to one another and listen like, hey, he doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. The way he's talking, the way she's acting. Something's not, are you okay? It takes a little bit of sensitivity, a little bit of uh, you know, compassion, a little bit of caring. I don't know where I heard it, but they're, you know, they're, they're talking about the fact how we always, you know, well, how are you doing? We, you know, we greet each other. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? And, and, but we don't want to hear them say, well, when you say, how are you doing? Well, we go, oh, no. <laughs> now they're going to tell me, you know, and I don't have time for this. I'm busy. I'm a busy person. So when you say, how are you doing? Mean it. Say it like you mean it, like, how are you doing? No, no, I'm doing fine. Well, that's funny, you don't look fine, you look terrible. Like, really, how are you doing? And let, let, you know, let's gather, let's pray. Let's, our God is going to fight for us. Let's remember the Lord. Don't be, don't be fearful, remember the Lord, but we've got to fight. Let's not give up, we've got to fight. We've got to fight together. Where two or more are gathered, he says, in my name, there I'll be right there in the midst calling down the God of heaven to help us in the situation. Our God will fight for us. We're going to stop there. I just want to just give a, a minute or two for you to think now about your own life. Maybe your own situation. Maybe what God might be trying to say to you. Maybe there's some leaks that are going on that could, could really be a problem. Maybe, maybe you haven't focused on the Lord. Maybe, maybe you're afraid to fight. Maybe you're not, you're not wanting to fight. Or maybe you've been fighting and you're halfway. You're at the halfway. The wall's halfway there. And it's like you're just exhausted. You're burned out. Well, don't give up. See what happens here. We'll get to it next week where they get to the end. They finish. The wall is rebuilt. They got there. You will get to the finish line. I want to encourage you. I want you to be encouraged. Don't be discouraged by the fact that there is opposition, but be encouraged by the fact that there is victory and that there is that God will do it. Our God will fight for us. The battle belongs to who? The Lord. The battle belongs to Him. But so often we just want to fight it ourselves and, and we get nowhere. God will frustrate our enemies. The battle belongs to Him. Let's pray together, shall we?